Chapter Six of A Bayard from Bengal by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Six. Lord Jolly is satisfied. Ah, why should two who once were bosom's friends present at one another pistols' ends, till one pops off to dwell in death's abode, all on account of honour's so-called code? thoughts on duelling by h b j many a more hackneyed duellist than our unfortunate friend bosh might well have been frightened from his propriety at the prospect of fighting with genuine bullets across so undersized a nosekerchief as that which the duchess had furnished for the fray but mr bosh preserved his head in perfect coolness it is indisputably true he said that i propose to shoot across a pocket-kerchief but i am not an effeminate female that i should employ such a lace-like and flimsy concern as this as a challenged i claim my constitutional right under magna carta to provide my own nose-wipe and as even my lord jack admitted that this was legally correct mr bosh produced a very large handsome nose-kerchief in particoloured silks this he tore into narrow strips the ends of which he tied together in such a manner that the whole was elongated to an incredible length then tossing one extremity to his lordship and retaining the other in his own hand he said we will fight if you please across this or not at all which caused a working majority of the company and even lord jack jolly himself to burst into enthusiastic plaudits of the ingenuity and dexterity with which mr bosh had contrived to extricate himself from the prongs of his caudine fork the duchess however was knitting her brows into the baleful pattern of a scowl for she knew as well as chunderbindaban himself that no human pistol was capable to achieve such a distance the duel commenced his lordship and mr bosh each removed their upper clothings bared their arms and taking up a weapon awaited the momentous command to fire it was pronounced and lord jolly's pistol was the first to ring the ambient welkin with its horrid bang the deadly missile whistling as it went for want of thought entered the door of a neighbouring pigeon's house and fluttered the dovecoat confoundedly mr bosh reserved his fire for the duration of two or three harrowing seconds then he too pulled off his trigger and after the explosion there was a loud cry of dismay the bullet had perforated a large circular orifice in honourable bodger's hat who by this time had returned to self-consciousness i could not bring myself to snuff the candle of your honourable lordship's existence said mr bosh bowing but i wish to convince all present that i am not incompetent to hit a mark and he proceeded to assure mr bodger that he was to receive full compensation for any moral and intellectual damage done to his said hat as for his lordship he was so overcome by mr bosh's unprecedented magnanimity that he shed copious tears and warmly embracing his former friend entreated his forgiveness vowing that in future their affection should never again be endangered by so paltry and trivial a cause as the Difficulty of a feminine moreover he bestowed upon bindabun the blushing hand of princess jones and very heartily wished him joy of her now the princess was the solitary brat of a very wealthy merchant prince honourable sir monarch jones whose proud and palatial storehouses were situated at the most fashionable part of camden town sir jones in spite of lord jack's resignation did not at first regard mr bosh with the paternal eye of approval but rather advanced the objection that the colour of his money was practically invisible my daughter he said haughtily is to have a lakh of rupees on her nuptials have you a lakh of rupees 
bindabun was tempted to make the rather facetious reply that he had indeed a lack of rupees at the present moment sir monarch however like too many english gentlemen was totally incapable of comprehending the simplest indian jus de mot and merely replied unless you can show me your lack of rupees you cannot become my beloved son-in-law so as mr bosh was a confirmed impecunious he departed in severe despondency however fortune favoured him as always for he made the acquaintance of a certain jewish scotch whose cognomen was alexander wallace mcalpine who kindly undertook to lend him a lock of rupees for two days at interest which was the mere bite of a flea having thus acquired the root of all evil bindabun took it in a four-wheeled cab and triumphantly exhibited his hard cash to sir jones who being unaware that it was borrowed plumage readily consented that he should marry his daughter after which mr bosh honourably restored the lock to the accommodating scotch minus the interest which he found it inconvenient to pay just then i am under great apprehensions that my gentle readers on reading thus far and no farther will remark oh ho then we are already at the fini seeing that when a hero and heroine are once booked for connubial bliss their further proceedings are of very mediocre interest let me venture upon the respectful caution that every cup possesses a proverbial slippery lip and that they are by no means to take it as granted that mr bosh is so soon married and done for remember that he still possesses a rather formidable enemy in duchess dickinson who is irrevocably determined to insert a spike in his wheel of fortune for a woman is so constituted that she can never forgive an individual who has once treated her advances with contempt no matter how good-humoured such contempt may have been no misters if you offend a feminine you must look out for her squalus readers are humbly requested not to toss this fine story aside under the impression that they have exhausted the cream in its coconut there are many many incidents to come of highly startling and sensational character End of chapter 6, read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.